the, the choir and uh, all of you. Our choir just sound you guys sound you gals and guys sounded so confident uh, today and just so well rehearsed. It it was powerful, and that song is too. And uh, I'm thankful. <clears throat> I'm thankful for the worship ministry we have here. For all the servants, I see people doing so many things, building and working and uh, organizing and. You can, whether you can believe it or not, we do work hard to organize here. Uh, it's a challenge, and uh, but we are making some ground, and uh, I'm thankful for that due to God's strength. Amen. So open up your Bibles to Psalm 29. Psalm 29, and while you're turning to Psalm 29, just for the sake of hurrying a little bit or speeding it up a little bit this morning, be honest with me now. I know you're in church, but look. That's the best place to be honest, right? <laughs> Probably where we lie most, but that's what John Wesley said. Christians lie most when they sing the hymns, but mm, anyway, uh, yeah, you think about it. I surrender all and all that stuff, but anyway, are you tired? Be honest with me. Are you just frustrated and tired already? And it's not even near Christmas yet, really, right? You know you still have weeks of this left. Some of you are really tired. I am. I had a tough week this week, just got crazy, insane. I don't know when I'm going to step in this pulpit and not say that, but anyway, some of you really are tired. You're frustrated. You're running on impulse. I mean, you're tired a lot. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you're worn out, running out of energy. And the reason why you are is really quite simple. Now, it, it really is. You know why it is? You're a human being. exactly what it is you're a human being you're not God your strength so by nature being a human now follow me your strength is limited you have a limit on it your patience is limited and most of us have been going non-stop for some time now and uh, you'll be glad to know that this happens to even some of the most powerful Christians that have ever lived. One of the most uh, famous Christians of the 19th century was a man named Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China, absolute spiritual giant, a brilliant man. In his old age uh, or latter years, uh, which weren't too old for him, he, because his health got bad, he lost his health, he became very weak. Here's what he told a friend. And I'm quoting now, Hudson Taylor, great missionary, uh, called the father of modern missions. Listen, I am so weak that I can no longer work. I am so weak I can no longer study. I am so weak I can no longer read my Bible. I cannot even pray. I can only lie still in the arms of God like a little child in trust. Sometimes in your life, you're going to get weak and sometimes you're probably going to get so weak that you can't even pray you can't even read the Bible you can't even go to church you, you can't do a Bible study you can't work you can't do anything and what do you do in those moments well that's what we're going to talk about today we're in this series called uh, the greatest gift and we're going to talk about uh, a great gift that God gives to us and don't you wish you could just put it in a in a box like this and get it and just open it up but it's God's gift of strength. God's gift of strength. Just to receive a gift that you could open it up and, and get strength. And we all need strength from time to time. There's not a one of us 
who won't need it in one way or another. And if you don't believe today, if you say, ah, I don't really need God's strength, listen, you haven't been Christmas shopping. You need God's strength. A couple of things before we get to how to get it. A couple of important things you have to understand about the strength or the power of God. First of all, you just need to understand this. God has unlimited power. You can't even do your arms like this. It's just unlimited power. Theologians describe him as being omnipotent. It comes from two words, omni meaning all and potent meaning power. All power. God has all power. Anything that can be accomplished in this universe by power, God can do it. Second thing you need to understand before we even talk about getting it is this. Not only does God have unlimited power, but God loves to empower others. He is an empowering God. He is all-powerful, and He wants to give His power to you. And I want to look with you at Psalm 29. We'll begin in verse 3, and let's read about this all-powerful God who wants to empower you. King David was once the king of Israel, but he's a shepherd when he writes this, just a shepherd boy out by himself. And David writes this in Psalm 29 and verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian, it's actually Mount Hermon we know there in Israel. He makes them to be as a, a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. He's actually referring to lightning there. Verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. And that means the desert. I didn't truly understand that until I went to Israel and I traveled there and I had a, a we were kept touring and we were in the middle of nothing. Rocks and I guess scorpions and snakes or whatever, but just mostly rocks and dust and I kept calling it the guide, kept saying, it's the wilderness. This is the wilderness where David was. And, you know, as an American, I picture wilderness, I think, what, trees and forests and mountains and hills. No, 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 no. A land of barrenness, just the, vo the desert. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bear and in his temple everyone says or cries glory the Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever oh how great the strength of this Lord is how mighty the strength of this Lord is and look at verse 11 the Lord gives strength to his people the Lord will bless his people with peace. David starts out with these words. The voice of the Lord, if you look, I think at verse 3, the voice of the Lord is over many waters. The glory of God, he says, thunders. And 
And so what, what David is saying when he says the Lord is over many waters, you can imagine King David there in Israel. You have to go back in your mind sometimes to what the writer would have been seeing and doing. And you have to ask who, what, where, and why. And he's describing an incredibly powerful thunderstorm that would have been brewing out over the Mediterranean Sea. This powerful storm is beginning to develop and the clouds are rising. And then it's going to move on shore and it's going to rumble throughout the desert and down through all of Israel. Now David was a shepherd. And so David would have known exactly what it was like to have been by himself or at least with some sheep out in the middle of the desert when a desert storm rolled through. I don't know if you've ever been in the desert when a storm comes through. I have out in the middle of Arizona. Got trapped in a desert storm. It's one of the most terrifying things you can ever see, and it's one of the most spectacular things you can ever see. Lightning everywhere. Dry, but lightning just popping, and dust everywhere. I mean, you can't literally see your hand in front of your face almost. It's an awesome, breathtaking experience to be in the middle of a desert storm. And David is using a word picture, if you will, an image that we can create in our mind. And anybody in Israel sure would have seen this in their mind and what he's doing is liking God's power to a desert storm. Look at verse 4. He says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice, his voice, breaks the cedars. The Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. Well, you say, cedars in Lebanon, how, how big are they? Well, they're so big that they can be 30 feet wide. 30, yes, I'm right, 30 feet wide, 12 stories tall. Giant, giant. Now, now what David is saying, listen to me, is that a mere whisper from the lips of God is powerful enough to turn that huge tree into kindling and left. And then he goes on to say, look at it in your text, he makes them skip like a calf, Lebanon and Mount Sirion like a young wild ox. Mount Sirion is... It's not some little small mountain. It's a 9,000-foot mountain. It's called Mount Hermon. In other words, he's saying God's voice is so powerful that if God speaks, it can take the mountains and make them quiver and undulate and, and dance. And then he says this, Look, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. Now you think about how, how powerful lightning is. I was watching something this past week. Didn't even think about it in relation to this sermon, but on the Discovery Channel, I think it was, and they were talking about how within a fraction of a second, uh, a lightning bolt releases 100 million volts of electricity. Think about it. 100 million volts of electricity. It creates the 13,000 million horsepower at a temperature five times hotter than the surface of the sun. And what David is saying is that one word from the lips of God is far more powerful than all the lightning that's taking place any, at any given moment, 1,800 lightning storms on this, thunderstorms on this planet at any given time. 1,800 at any given time. And God is more powerful than all of them put together. He goes on, look at verse 8. The voice of the Lord shakes 
the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Now, here's what's cool. If you know anything about Israel, Kadesh is in the south. But Mount Hermon is in the north. So what he's saying is that God's power covered the whole land. There was no way to get away from it. There was no way to escape the power of this all-powerful God. Now, what is our response to that? Well, the natural response to it would be to come into the, the face of this breathtakingly, awesomely powerful God found in verse 10. It's the natural response when you realize how powerful this great display of power is by God. It's here. David says this, In his temple, everyone cries, Glory! When you come into the presence of God and you realize how powerful he is, you cannot help but to worship God for being all-powerful, having all strength, and being a, a amazing, glorified, powerful, strong, and literally breathtaking God. But then something amazing happens. And David is writing. He's been talking about this magnificent power of God. And then... It's like the story just just turned. It's like a surprise ending. He, he, he closes this psalm, this section of it, and he says this, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And he's saying not only is God all-powerful, not only is God omnipotent, omnipotent, but God... This great, omnipotent God never hoards His power. He is an empowering God. He wants to equip and, and empower you and me in the tough and the difficult and the frustrated and the trying times of life. And the result is, listen, then we can find peace when we're panicking. We can find endurance when we're empty. We can find courage when we're cowardly. Now, where do we need that power the most? I... I think of a couple of different areas in our, our lives where we need the strength of God, where we really, literally need the strength of God. First of all, we need the strength of God to get us through the situations in our lives that we can't get through on our own, where there's no chance to make it humanly. My mother, I loved my mother. My dad abandoned us. My dad left us, and my mother raised us. And God bless her. She, she, she was an amazing, amazing, amazing woman. Not faultless by a long shot, but boy, to raise all of us kids, I'll tell you. Just to raise me was a challenge, but my mom was, was incredible. And then later in my life, my mother got Alzheimer's for about 10 years. I watched my mother just slowly fade away until she didn't know anybody or where she was. And I don't even want to describe how horrible it was because some of you, it'll just bring back fresh memories for you. But I will tell you that I was pastoring, and, and to be frank, I was leaving about, uh, thinking about, and praying about, and God was stirring my heart. I didn't know I'd be here, but my heart, I just felt like God was saying He was through with me in the place I was at. And after 25 years, I was going to have to deal with that. And I had the daily burdens of the church and trying to be a dad and trying to be, you know, just you got so many things going on. And one day I'll never forget going and visiting my mom, and she was in such bad shape. Such bad 
And I'd leave there every time I'd go to the rest home, I'd leave crying. And I'd just be saying, God, God, I, I never really ask him why. I'd just say, God, just don't. I, I'd say two things. God, can you, will you just take her home? And then I'd say, God, just, I, I, I know it sounds selfish, but I'd say, God, don't ever let me wind up like this. Don't ever let me. In fact, always jokingly, but I'm not so joking, talk to my wife. I said, if I'm ever diagnosed as having Alzheimer's and you come home and my motorcycle's gone and I'm gone, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm just going to ride off into the desert. Be happy wherever I don't know I am. But I, I tell you, it, it, it was a tough, tough day. I'd been through tough and I'd been through difficult and I'd wept. And a lot of times I had prayed, God, would you just take her? But I will tell you that day I couldn't stand it. I got out in my pickup. And I sat out there in the parking lot. And I rolled my windows up so nobody could hear. And I've never cried like that in my life. I literally wailed before the Lord. I knew what the psalmist I think I knew what the psalmist means when he said, I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my cry. And I cried, and I said, God, I, now listen, you got a lot you want me to do, I'm guessing. And I've got all kinds of stuff to do, and God, I'm just telling you, I've asked you to take Mama. Now I'm asked, I, I, I said it's okay to take Mama, but today I'm asking you to take her. I'm asking you, God, to take her. And I don't need you to do it later I need you to do it now because God I'm not going to be able to make this I'm not going to be able to do it now I'm asking you, I'm really asking you talk just like that and I lovingly, respectfully just beg God to take her take her that afternoon I got a call, my mom wasn't even sick as far as being physically sick, my sister said they're taking mama to the hospital and before I could get, I lived three or four miles away before I could get right back over there she called me back and said, uh, I was on my way. She said, Jack, I, I don't know how to say this. My sister was standing. She said, uh, she said, Mama, Mama's gone. Mama's gone. And I said, good. And I hung up the phone. And my kids were watching me because they knew I was upset. And they knew it was from my sister. And I just said, thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. Thank you that you hear my prayer. Thank you that she's with you. I'm telling you, sooner or later, the sobering truth is, sooner or later you're going to face a tragedy, some type of illness, something that you can't stand and take yourself, and life is going to hurt so bad that the sound that comes out of you is probably just going to be a wail. Now, I'm not, I, boy, I know that's encouraging, isn't it? But listen, that's the truth. If I didn't tell you the truth, I wouldn't be a good pastor. And it may not be Alzheimer's, but this life is filled with tragedy, and no one lives, no one who lives very long escapes it. And that's why we have to love one another and care for one another. And it may be some other tragedy. I don't know who it's going to be for you, because we live in a world that is corrupted by sin. There is going to be pain. But the good thing is, the God of unlimited power says, I will give you through my power, through my strength, I will give you peace. And I will give you courage that you need to make it through times you can't get through on your own. 
There's another time when we need the Lord's power. It's to avoid doing what we know we shouldn't do. Amen. You know, temptation beckons us, doesn't it? Calls to us all the time. Temptation. I like the bumper sticker that I saw a while back. It said, lead me not into temptation. I'm perfectly capable of finding it on my own. Amen? <laughs> you know what temptations are? It's that urge, that pull. You know, ask ourselves, well, I wonder if I should just shade the truth on my resume a little bit. Nobody ever checks that stuff out, do they? I wonder if I should make a move on that person, even though you're married. My spouse will never find out. Should I watch this? Should I read that? Should I cheat on this? Should I report that side income to the IRS? They really can't trace that stuff, can they? A lot of times in life we know that... Now, here's the deal. Most of the times we know what not to do, right? I mean, we know not typically what we shouldn't do. The problem is we lack the power to not do it, if that's the way to say it. But you understand that the Bible says, though, listen, that God will give us the strength to avoid doing what we know we shouldn't do. And we all need help with that one, that's for sure, right? need a lot of strength with that. But not only do we need God's power to help us avoid doing what we know we shouldn't do, but we also need God's power to be able to actually do what we should do. We come to church, and here's the weird thing for me, we, we, the Bible's opened up and we hear teaching on how we can be men of virtue and women of character. We hear how God wants us to live, and, and it makes sense. And, and we say that's the best way to live, but if you're like me, honestly, I go, eh, I can't really do that on my own. I mean, we hear teaching from the Bible that says we're supposed to serve others, and my natural inclination is always to serve me. We hear teaching that says that we need to be generous to those who are needy. We hear about the Lottie Moon offering, stuff like that. My natural inclination is to cling to the things that I own, the possessions that I have. My Bible says I'm to be patient. That's a big one for me. That's a hard one. I'm going down the highway and some moron in front of me is talking on his cell phone going 15 miles under the speed limit. Pretty hard for me not to be impatient. My blood pressure will go up just thinking about it. The Bible says we're supposed to forgive people who harm us and hurt us. But I'm from the west side. We don't get mad. We get even. Truth is, we all need God's power if we're going to consistently grow in godly character, don't we? In virtue. How do we do it? Here's how. How? Now, let me give it to you. I know, I know we're about three minutes after. Let me give you quickly. I'm going to give you some ways very quickly that if you'll do these, these are practical, sensible, and, and working ways that you can gain God's strength because you're tired and you need God's strength. Number one, let me get it quickly to you. Affirm God's power they all start with A, so you can remember them. Affirm God's power and His presence. So oftentimes when we're feeling weak, it's because we've forgotten, we forget that we serve an omnipotent God who has this amazing track record, record of coming through for those who are His children. And you see, we, the Bible says we need to remember that. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says this, Look to the Lord and to His strength. 
Seek His face always. Remember the wonders that He has done. Remember the miracles. Remember the judgments that He has pronounced. In other words, when you're getting frustrated and tired, go back. When you feel like you need strength and you're weak and you're not going to make it, go back and literally remember this panoramic story through the Bible of creation, of redemption, the fall and redemption, and one day God's going to restore it. Remember how God empowered Moses and remember how he strengthened David and remember how he undergirded Daniel and how he emboldened the Apostle Peter and how he supported and strengthened the Apostle Paul. Remember how God the Father raised Christ from the dead. Remember God's track record of his faithfulness to strengthen his people. First step is that, to stop and rehearse and preach the gospel to yourself. Affirm God's power and His presence in your life. Second step, admit your own weakness. Admit your own weakness. So often when a crisis comes, we're in the midst of a temptation or our reaction is try to get through it on our own strength. We don't even realize we're doing it. We don't want to burden somebody else. We don't want to take God's time, so to speak, and... So we try to get through it on our own strength. We just muster on. But the reality is this. We cannot be filled with the power and strength of God until we first come to the end of ourselves. Until we first admit that we can't do it on our own. We've got to empty ourselves of this false pretense that says, I can do this. No, you can't. And then when we're empty, God can fill us with His power. God, we just need to admit to you that, that you get to a point where you say, God, I, I cannot get through this. I cannot resist this. I cannot do what your word tells me to do apart from your power in my life. See, somebody once said, it's only when we are helpless that we really open our hearts to God. Now, isn't that true? I don't even think half the time it's an intentional thing. I think we just don't sometimes depend on God enough to even think of it. But when you get to the end of yourself, you will depend more on God. So why not get to the end of yourself earlier in the process? Hmm? Think about it. That's sensible, isn't it? When we hang on to our self-reliance and our self-dependence and we cling to that, then, then our hearts are only partially open to God. But, but when we admit our helplessness, we throw up our hands... We really open up our hearts to God for the first time. Next thing you do, listen. It's moving quickly. Align yourself. Align yourself with God's will for your life. Align yourself with God's will for your life. This is important, important, important to remember. It's this. God's power. God's power is not like an electrical outlet that you can plug into and receive power for any purpose you want. I've heard preachers describe it as that. You've got to plug in, and that, you know, the analogy is okay, but here, it, here's where it's not like that. You can take an electrical outlet, you can plug any appliance you want to in it, a toaster, as long as the voltage is right, a, a water heater, you can, you know, you can plug in a, a lamp. You want any, you can run any electricity, any appliance that you run electricity through on it, but God's power does not work that way. God's power, having God's power in your life, is dependent on you and I being willing to submit our will 
our desires to His will and His desires. To come to Him and say, I need your power. I need your strength. I need that gift. But I'm willing to do it your way. You hear me? Incidentally, do you know that God's will is what we would want if we had sense enough to ask for it? It's true. We're working in concert with you, God, to accomplish your goals, your purpose in my life, like we talked about last week, then He'll give us the power, He'll give us the strength to accomplish great things. To align our will with the will of God, it means that I surrender my goals that I surrender and I say God it's out of my hands anyway I can't do it period your will be done I'm here next thing is this practical I'm trying to be practical now listen to me if I want to gain God's gift of strength it's this so simple ask God for the strength ask God for the strength that you need why is it that we beat around the bush with God why is it that the last thing we do is pray? Why is it that the last thing we want to solve it on our own? We want to try to do all these other things. We keep going on energy. Yet the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. I mean, he has this great unlimited supply of power. But he says, at least you don't have it because you're not asking. And if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. He's not playing peas. Or keep away. It's just the way prayer works. So having affirmed God's power and presence in my life, having admitted my inability to handle the matter myself, having aligned myself with His purpose, just come right out and ask Him to give you supernaturally the strength that you need to make it. God help me. God give me strength to get through this. And then here is the last step, which is the most Perhaps. I don't, they all hinge on one another, but let me promise you this. You can do all the rest. It'll never happen if you don't do this. And this is another unique way that God works. Now, you, you really got to hear me on this. You act. You act right now out of obedience to God. There is this pattern in Scripture, I promise you. It begins in Genesis and it's all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament, the entire Bible. It is this. Even when you don't feel strong, even when you don't feel empowered by God, when nevertheless you step out in faith and take action by obediently just proceeding down the road God wants you to take, then He provides the strength that you need. Now listen to me. God just doesn't always provide the strength. And you sit back and say, Lord, now give me the strength. And when I get feeling a lot of courageous about this, then I'll start walking. Right? You believe all these things we've talked about. And you say, God, I believe you're powerful. And God, I'm to the end of myself. And God, I want your will, whatever you want. And God, this thing is crushing me. And then you act. You just start doing whatever he's telling you to do. And you watch God provide. Some of you are scared to death about being a Sunday school teacher. Some of you are scared to death about being a leader of some sort. You're scared to death about doing this or being whatever. And, and, and listen, 
You can sit back and fear it and analyze it and look at it and you can know that God has all this power and you can say, Lord, I surrender my will to yours and all this stuff. But if you don't start just taking steps of faith, as you take a step, God gives you more. And as you take another step, God gives you more. And as you take another step, you say, why does he make me do that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I know example after example after example in the Bible. The children of Israel come to the Red Sea. God says, I'm going to part that sea for you. I'm going to open up an eight-lane superhighway across it for you. Moses, though, you take that rod and you strike the sea. And I submit to you that they'd still be standing there. Their carcasses would be there in the sand one if Moses had never taken his rod and smoked the water. They come to a rock, and they're all thirsty, and God says, I'm going to give you water, water enough for millions of people to drink. It's going to follow you through the desert everywhere. You never have to get thirsty again. Take that rod and strike it, and they'll pour it out. I mean, you time after time, Jesus walks up to a man. The man's got a withered hand called in the Bible, and he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus looks right at him. What does Jesus say? Stretch forth your hand. I ask you, what was the man's problem? That he couldn't stretch forth his hand. I mean, he could have been like you and me and said, well, you know, that guy's some kind of prophet. He is. I mean, he didn't have sense enough to know that that's my problem. That's what I can't do, for heaven's sake. I was asking him to fix that, and then he tells me to do that. Uh, if they did that, I don't know what the Hebrew spelling of that would be. But, I mean, really, think about it. Stretch forth your hand. And the man acted, and what happened? Whew. Literally, did you imagine the, 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 the nature of that miracle? Flesh is formed, and sinew, and tendons, and, and, and probably arthritic joints healed. It, it's no telling. But see, 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 you say, you really believe Jesus did it? Absolutely, because he created the universe. He created the universe with nothing to stretch forth a hand. He created the universe with nothing to part a sea. He made the sea. So, so, so but here's how he works. When you're sitting there, you begin to act out of obedience to his will. You act now. You don't wait until you get the strength. You don't wait until you feel empowered. You don't wait until you feel the strength. You go forward. You continue on in spite of your weakness, in spite of your discouragement, in spite of your lack of strength. You go on forward, trusting him, surrendering to him, just saying, God, it's not my will, but I believe you want me to do this, so I'm going to do it. And God, I need strength. And as you act, this undeniable principle is found throughout the Bible. As you act, listen to me, God blesses obedience. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and the eyes closed just for a moment for us just to think to maybe slow down in the middle of this craziness and hear maybe what God would be saying to us today I think this journey of getting strength from God probably begins with asking Jesus Christ to just forgive us of all our sins and save us Lord I can't make it to heaven without you and I ask you to forgive me and save me of all my sins Save me from, from hell. 
I want to go to heaven. Lord Jesus, please, I give you my life and I trust you. Would you pray that now? Would you? Are you? Listen, that's where it starts. Do you need power today? Are you willing to ask God for that power? Are you willing to align yourself with God's will? Is something coming down the pipe and it looks like a godly thing, but you're nervous about it and you don't know? And Align your will with His. Have you admitted your own weakness? Remember, you can't be filled with the power of God until you first went to yourself with the thought that you can get through it on your own. You can't. That's a false treatment. When you're empty, God can fill you with His power and strength. Would you say today, Lord, I can't get through this. I cannot resist this. I cannot do what the Bible tells me to do apart from your power in my life. Do you need to affirm God's power and presence? This amazing track record that He has for coming through for those who are His children. You need to realize He will, He is going to come through for you. Wherever you're at today, I pray that right now you'll just surrender to take that step, that practical step towards Him. Lord, I pray that you would move now. I pray, God, that you would uh, speak to us and help us now to respond, Lord, during this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask.